This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. It is difficult to be a human sometimes. Um, there are some really good things, like don't get me wrong, there are some really, really good things in this world, so many things to be thankful for. I mean, just take, for instance, the air that we breathe. I mean, we have another day of life. I mean, just that in and of itself should be enough. And there are many blessings around us, our, our family, our friends. Over and over, we are greeted with new mercies. I've said that before, but... Really and truly, we have so much to be thankful for. So why is it, though, that we can get compliment after compliment, uplifting thing after uplifting thing, and it's that one negative comment that sticks with us? There might be a hundred people that say, oh, you're doing such a great job. I'm very proud of you. Things are amazing. And then that one that doesn't quite think that, and they let you know. And then that just kind of, I don't know, overshadows everything. So um, earlier, well, I guess on Friday, I, <laughs> I was basically called to the office, if we will, but not really to the office. But one of the other um, teachers, the chemistry lead, actually said, uh, when you get a chance, can you come on by? I wanted to talk to you about something. I was like, oh, gracious. you know. And I was thinking in my mind all the way from my from my room to his, I was like, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job. I, I don't think there's anything I'm not doing correctly. I mean, I don't know. I didn't just, I didn't know. And so I was like, well, I don't know, whatever it is, let's just get it over with. So I went over there and he said to me this, he said, I wanted to run something by you. I was like, okay, well that's okay. He goes, well, I know you're teaching on level, which is kind of like the, the regular, but how would you feel about teaching advanced chemistry as well as on level next year? I was like, oh, yeah, I would love it. He goes, well, I, I really, you know, I've noticed this. Uh, everybody's noticed this, that, that what you're bringing to to our uh, our group, our chemistry group and to the students and just kind of in general has not gone unnoticed. Like you are bringing a lot more. So I was like, wow, this is, this is good. Yeah, sure. And he said, it is going to take some, um, uh, training and that sort of stuff. But, uh, we think that you can, your best would be your best, your gifts would be best used rather, um, at the advanced level. Now we probably won't have enough just for advanced, but we want you to be able to do both. And I think you'd be able to do that. What are your thoughts on that? I'm like, yeah, sure. So it is good to be recognized, I feel like, like you try so hard, you're doing everything, you're bringing everything together, and, and then to be recognized for that is good. And so that was kind of a good part to the end of my week. But, there's always that but. Today uh, marks five years, today exactly, uh, whenever Laura went into the hospital to have brain surgery and so I have that and then in the back of my mind I know that there is this and I don't know what it is 
I don't know what it is, just around this time, yes, we've just, we're kind of on the, uh, the end part of February and we're going into March and we should be thinking spring break, we should be thinking, oh, new things and all that sort of stuff. But, but again, like I was saying before, sometimes there's just a heaviness on us. Sometimes there's just something that doesn't let us really go. That it just kind of sits on us like a heavy coat or a weighted blanket. And so it is painful to, to think about. But I still share it with you because I don't want that pain to define the total experience of it. Because that's just one part of it. Now again, it's, it's, very, it's very difficult to talk about. Because it's just something that um, still I wrestle with. And so this day, five years ago, we went, Laura and I and her mom went to the hospital in Dallas and she went in for surgery. Five hours, around five hours, more so, but um, around five hours she was in surgery. And it's brain surgery. It's one of the, the most difficult surgeries. And that's why I say, you know, brain surgeons have to be one of the most confident people and uh, knowledgeable people and all that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, I've met a couple of brain surgeons and they're pretty cocky. And I'm like, I want a cocky person to be my brain surgeon if I'm ever going to have, because I want them to be very sure of what they're going to be doing. Right. And, and so this was the best in the nation dealing with with this very difficult surgery. And so we felt pretty good about it. But back up a couple of days, Laura and I had a conversation and it was not a pleasant one. I, I was not looking forward to it. And I know that it was something that I was trying to avoid, but we knew the chances. We knew the percentages that this particular type of surgery had a 50-50% chance of survival rate, which is not great, right? I mean, to, to be 50-50 on something, um, that's not great necessarily, but at the same time, we knew that it was the better choice than leaving it um, just to see what would happen. And that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to say, you know, I, I know that, that we're supposed to do this. I know it makes sense to do this, but I don't know if I want to do that. But we decided that we were. We were going to go through with the surgery. And so she had a very difficult conversation with me. And it was one where she said, we know what we're, look, we're, we're up against. But no matter what happens... I want you to promise me. And anything that happened after that, I started trailing off because I, I couldn't get past that. But I know that she said this. She said, no matter what happens, I want you to promise me that you will always know that God is with you and that God is good. No matter what. Can you promise me that? And then here I am. You know you know that I'm a crybaby as, as much as anybody else, and especially whenever we're dealing with things like this. 
And so there I was kind of through the tears saying, yes, of course, but I don't want to talk about that. And she says, no, we need to talk about this. She says, if things don't go according to our plan, we need to figure out what's going to happen. You need to figure out what's going to happen. And so we had those, that difficult conversation, and I didn't want to have that conversation. That was a logical thing to do, but it wasn't the thing that I wanted to do because I did not want to think about what would happen if. And so we're there in, in the hospital, and you know that a couple of days later at 3 o'clock in the morning, so for us this year it's going to be on Tuesday, 3 o'clock in the morning, that's whenever Laura experienced some complications after surgery. And I bring all of that up because it is something that still weighs heavy on me. And it is something that changed our life forever. But my question to you is this. What do we do with pain? What do we do with heartache? What do we do with loss and grief? What do we do with suffering? We do pray about it. But it's hard. Because what, it, what happens is it's something that is so difficult that we just want to pretend like it's not even there, but it is affecting us. And we have to deal with it. And the best way to deal with it is to pray and is to go to God. But that's also one of the most difficult things to do. So what do we as, how do we get to that point to where we can take everything, the good and the bad, everything in between, we take everything to God. How can we get there? How can we deal with all this range of emotions that we feel as humans and how can we take everything to God well first of all we have to have trust that God is listening we have to have trust that God cares and we have to have trust that God can heal even the most broken of us and so one word for that one way to take our our troubles to God is what we call lament and it's not something that, that we do easily, and it is painful, and it is part of a process. And so we are, like I said, starting Lent, the first Sunday of Lent today. And on here it says, lament, repent, anticipate. And so we're going to start with lament. But really and truly, we don't really talk about this that much. We don't. We don't really talk about loss that much. We don't really talk about grief that much because it's so painful. And we, we just don't want to even kind of out of sight, out of mind sort of thing. We want to be here in church and we want to be um, singing praises and we want to feel so good. We want to feel surrounded by the presence of God and singing praises and everything is great because we're Christian. And that is only part of the story. The other part is that we even though we follow God, even though we believe in God, even though we might do everything that we possibly can to follow God faithfully, we will still experience pain and loss 
and suffering. But we can get through this together and we can get through this by going to God. And so a little bit of background about, uh, about this. So today we are looking at one of the places that I love looking. It's in the middle of the Bible. So if you have, and I think it's kind of on purpose, honestly, if you kind of flip your Bible open to the middle, it's going to be Psalms. And in Psalms, you have this, again, the whole wide array of human emotions. You have the joy, you have the pain, you have everything in between. And here is where we pick it up. Here is where we say, how do they know how I'm feeling? How do the psalmist know exactly how I'm feeling? Well, it's because even in our pain, even though we feel so alone, even though we feel like nobody else is feeling like me, nobody would ever know what I am going through right now. It's a common human emotion. We just don't talk about it that much. And so I really truly appreciate the psalms. And I see that the psalm of lament, this one, it deals with the, the emotions that we talked about of grief and of loss and sorrow and pain and even confusion. Why? Why did this have to happen? Why is this happening? And we deal with, with the fact that things are not going to be the way that they once were. Things have changed. And so the existence of humanity is that of a broken people. And what is a follower of Christ to do with all of this sadness and pain? We go to God. And almost a third of, of the Psalms that we, we look at here in the middle of the book, almost a third of the Psalms are entirely about lament. And then you add to that the book of Lamentations. It is a common thing that we just don't really talk about that much. But a, but a majority, or I will say a third of it, of the entire thing is dedicated to lament. And like every other emotion, God wants to hear from us about our pain. God wants us to lament. And so we pick that up. And this is in Psalm 139, and it's 1 through 24, but we start with verse 1. And here, the first part, because this is kind of a blueprint, if you will, for how to do element, and also maybe even a blueprint of how we can find hope and peace, even in the midst of our darkness. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Now this again is the introductory part of the section of the Psalm and then we'll see an echo of that at the very end. But this is an acknowledgement of who God is and the amazing relationship that God has with God's creation. Continues on in verse 4. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. 
you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me becomes night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonder are your, wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, and when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is your sum of them. I try to count them, and there are more than the sand. I come to an end, and I am still with you. The psalmist's experience of persecution is going to plunge them into a darkness that we have experienced too. And this darkness is a mystery because we can't see in the darkness, right? And this is where God continues to pursue the psalmist, continues to pursue us even in the darkness so that we can have paths of knowledge into the farthest reaches of the universe and into the silent moments even at our birth. And here the psalmist is so much is not so much seeking wisdom as reaching for peace from God. And at this point it becomes clear that the psalmist is not writing from a peaceful setting by any means. When there is a reaching to the limits of sky and earth, the psalmist defiantly saying to the persecutors, you cannot hound me away from my God. In fact, to locate God in the highest heaven or in Sheol speaks defiantly of even the limits of Israel's theology because it was forbidden to seek God in the skies and it was um, a denial of God's even existence in Sheol up above and down below. And so the psalmist moves from this dangerous darkness of public life into the warm and life-sustaining darkness of the mother's womb. So you see, darkness is not always a bad thing. In this case, we're surrounded by love. 
He senses the protection and the planning of Yahweh. God's presence is already there in the formation of the entire future of any person. And there is an assurance for people of faith, people that believe that a happy and peaceful outcome will happen eventually. And I've heard it said like this before, and sometimes I agree with it, sometimes I don't. But if the story isn't good, the story is not over. That helps me have hope. And so we continue. And this is where the lament really takes shape. Oh, that you would kill the wicked. Oh, God. And that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Okay, so you can see the anger here in the psalmist here. They have been hurt, and it's not just a hurt against them. It's a hurt against God's people, and in doing so, also against God. So it's like, God, I, there are people that are trying to kill me. There are people trying to persecute me, and in doing so, trying to eradicate you from this earth, from your creation. And there's anger. There's righteous anger behind that. I hate them with perfect hatred. And hate is kind of a bad word. At least it was in my house growing up. I, I was never allowed to say hate. Loathe is even, I feel like, even a little bit worse. But I dislike you, I was allowed to say. I, I, was, I dislike this or I dislike that. I was never allowed to say hate. So I feel like, um, you know, my mom or dad is going to be kind of peering in there seeing, uh, what are you saying? From the pulpit? I'm like, well, yes. It says it in the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible, right? But the thing is, there are there's this range of emotions, right? There's this, we start off with a kind of good thing, right? We, we start off by saying, God, you are good. And then God, there's darkness around me and I'm persecuted. But even in the darkness, I can still find you. I can't go away from you and that's a good thing that you'll always be with me and then it gets into this kind of i don't know defensive mode and i i want to go into and i want to hurt the people who hurt me because they're hurting you and they're hurting your people and and i want to be a part of that so there's that anger which we touch on and this is the part of the prayer for the destruction of the wicked a prayer that would have, that could have been eliminated for a psalm like this to even be uttered. And so we get to the last part. And again, this is an echo of what we saw at the beginning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wickedness in me is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You can see that it ends in a kind of positive way. And almost like an invitation. Actually, it is an invitation. Because, Lord, I know I wasn't supposed to do that last part right there when I, I'm mad and I'm asking you to, um, to basically 
get rid of those that are wicked and those that are against you and against me. I know I wasn't supposed to do that. So search me, search me. I know that this is a whole range of human emotion that I'm going through and I want you to search me. I want you to fix me. I want you to heal me. I don't want to stay in this place. I don't want to stay in this dark valley. I want to get through it. I want to get to the other side. And lament, lament is again, not something that we deal with on a regular basis, but maybe we should. Because it's dealing with our emotions, the heavy emotions in a positive way. We're taking them to God. And we bring our complaints to God, yes, but we leave with hope. And like all types of prayer, God uses lament to form, to continue to reform and recreate us in his image. Because we're letting go of the thing that is holding on to us. We're saying it's too much for me to handle. Please take it from me. Please. And so here's a couple of things in order. If you want to do this, which I think that you should, because I think it could be very healing for you as it has been for me and for so many as we see here in the history of time we have to recognize that god's wisdom and we have to know who god is and who we are god is infinite and we are finite god has no end we do and we learn to trust god because chances are you're not going to just tell all of your problems to just anybody. I mean, not normally. And so we have to trust that person because if why even share that with somebody, something that's so intimate to us, why would we share that with somebody if we don't trust them? And we have to understand more of God's grace and God's love because even though we might be going through something so difficult, so hard, so painful there is still hope there is still love there is still grace there is still mercy and we become better because of this process the lament prayer is a process it's taken us from where we are in that pain and in that suffering and like i said before it's like a blueprint for us to get from where we are to a better relationship with God, and hopefully with that better relationship with God, we will also get better. And we can even become better to others. Because you know this, and you've probably heard this before, hurt people hurt people. So if we're not dealing with our own stuff, how can we help other people? But if we can deal with our stuff, we can also help other people deal with theirs and we walk in the way that jesus did the laments of jesus in the gospel provide additional scripture um, just some evidence if you will for the warrant for lament in his ministry and his, and specifically in his suffering jesus had great seasons and reasons for grief and sorrow and we see this throughout his life. He was the son of God and even he was experiencing 
the same sort of stuff that we experience now. Maybe not exactly, maybe not word for word, but he was experiencing pain. He was experiencing sorrow. So the thing I want you to take away from that is that he gets us. Jesus gets us. And if you were watching the Super Bowl, you probably saw some of those ads for He Gets Us. It's a non-denominational, like not affiliated with any denomination, not the non-denominational that is a denomination, but it's hopeful that He gets us. No matter what we're going through, He gets us. You can see the psalmist is saying, you're not alone in this. I feel this too. You're not alone. The darkness will not overcome you. It doesn't have to. And we have to keep on turning to the Lord, no matter how hard it is. And yes, you might express your feelings to your friends and to your family that you trust, but you shouldn't just dump it on them all the time. God can take it. Other people can't so you bring your complaints i mean whenever i was in that moment and and i was trying to to wrap my mind around what was going on the change that was happening in my life the fact that things were never going to be like they were before i was sad and i was feeling a loss i was feeling grief and i didn't know why and no one person no one person could ever give me the words that would satisfy my heart. I, I, please stop me if I ever say, I know how you're feeling. Please stop me if, you're saying, if you ever hear me saying, all things happen for a reason. Please stop me. Because I, I, I heard that even as a pastor, I heard that and it was not helpful. But what can be helpful is taking everything to God. And not only take your complaints, not only taking your anger, like God can take your anger. Let, let, let me be very clear about that. Like I had a conversation with God that I don't want anybody else to hear. Because I was upset that things happened the way that they did. I still am. And, and I'm upset that, that my son Jackson was four years old whenever this happened. And Knox was only nine months old. Jackson had a before surgery experience with Laura and now an after one. Knox really didn't. He only knows Laura in this particular way. And, and again, that's good and bad. I can, see, I can see both. But the fact is that our entire lives changed. And I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But at the same time, I have to see that there is a process and lament is part of that process. Again, it's that blueprint. It's that blueprint for, for how we can heal. And it's been five years and I'm not completely healed. It's been five years and I'm still bitter. It's been five years and it still hits me like a ton of bricks every single year multiple times during the year. But I have to keep on holding on to hope. Keep on holding on to God's grace and God's mercy 
and knowing full well that God is listening, that God is with me, and that in my pain, he's right there crying with me. But I think the the question that we must ask ourselves, hear God asking you this, how long, how long is it going to take in these seasons of change, these hard seasons of transition in our lives, how long is it going to take you to accept that things are never going to be the way that they were? But hopefully, prayerfully, you can see it in this way through this lament process that sometimes, sometimes, I'm not saying this is an answer for for everything, but sometimes in order to change our story, God changes our point of view. Sometimes to change our story, God changes our point of view. I have to tell you, I view life differently now. And when people are hurting, I hurt along with them. More so than I ever did before. And every single time that I go into a hospital, it's there. It's there waiting for me. But I know I'm not going alone. I know that I'm going to be with people that are hurting. And I don't know exactly how they feel, but I have a I have a inkling, I have a hint as to what they might be going through. And I know that they need somebody and what they don't need is for me to say that all things happen for a reason. What they don't need is for me to say, I know exactly how you feel. What they do need is my presence. What they do need is for me to preach the gospel always and use words when necessary. What they do need is God. And I can be a part of that. You can be a part of that. Lament is a process, a never-ending process. But each time that we experience it, we get closer to God. We heal a little bit more. And we get bold and get strong. And that's what it's going to take to deal with all the range of emotions that we deal with as a human. So my hope and my prayer for you is this. Take everything to God. The good, the bad, but never lose your grip on your faith with God because God has never left your side. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church podcast. Blessings.